Chapter Five of That Mainwaring Affair. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. That Mainwaring Affair by Maynard Barber. Chapter Five. Important Discoveries. As the attorney, in response to the summons from Mr. Thornton, hastened from the corridor into the main hall, five gentlemen were slowly ascending the broad stairway, conversing together in subdued tones. One, younger than the others, and evidently more familiar with the surroundings at Fair Oaks, stepped quickly in advance of the rest, and extended his hand to Mr. Whitney in silent greeting. This was Dr. Hobart, Hugh Mainwaring's physician, and one of his most intimate friends, although a number of years his junior. Following him were Mr. Elliot and Mr. Chittenden, of the firm of Mainwaring and Company, while bringing up the rear were the coroner and a gentleman, somewhat below medium size and of modest appearance, whom the attorney greeted very cordially, and afterwards introduced to Mr. Thornton as Mr. Merrick. Proceeding at once to the library, they were joined a moment later by Ralph Mainwaring and his son. The necessary introductions followed, and Mr. Mainwaring, having given the butler instructions to admit no one into the library, Mr. Whitney made a brief statement regarding the discovery of the murder, and all passed into the room in the tower. Dr. Hobart at once bent over the prostrate form with genuine sorrow. The millionaire broker had been one of his earliest patrons, and their acquaintance had soon ripened into a mutual attachment, notwithstanding the disparity in their ages. After a long look at the face of his friend, he gave place to the coroner, who was also a physician. They partially lifted the body, and both examined the wound, the small man who had accompanied the coroner looking on silently. It was found that the bullet had entered just above the right eye, and had passed through the brain in a slightly downward direction, coming out near the base upon the same side. The most careful search failed to disclose the bullet, and attention was next directed to the revolver lying upon the floor near the right hand. It was a Smith & Wesson, thirty-two caliber, with but one empty chamber, that from which the fatal bullet had probably been discharged. "'Can any of you gentlemen tell me whether or not this belonged to the deceased?' inquired the coroner, holding up the revolver. There was an instant's pause, and Mr. Whitney replied, "'I know Mr. Mainwaring owned a revolver, but having never seen it, am unable to answer your inquiry. Perhaps his secretary could give you the desired information.' "'I have often seen a revolver lying in Mr. Mainwaring's desk,' said the secretary, "'but I doubt whether I could identify it, as I never observed it closely. I should judge, however,' that this was the same size and make. "'Would it not be well to see if it is still there?' suggested the attorney. "'I suppose you have a key to the desk?' "'I have, sir,' he replied, at the same time producing it. Crossing the room he unlocked and opened the desk. An instant later he announced, as he closed the desk, "'It is not here.' There was a subdued murmur, and Mr. Thornton was heard to exclaim, "'Suicide! That has been my impression all along!' Ralph Mainwaring glanced inquiringly at the attorney, who shook his head emphatically, while the coroner once more inspected the wound with an air of perplexity. "'Doctor,' inquired Ralph Mainwaring, "'in your opinion, how long has life been extinct?' "'I should judge about eight or nine hours,' replied Dr. Hobart. "'What would you say, Dr. Westlake?' "'That would be my judgment also.' "'You would say that death was instantaneous?' questioned the attorney. "'Without a doubt. It could not have been otherwise.' Ralph Mainwaring consulted his watch. "'It is now half after nine. In your judgment, then, this must have occurred about one o'clock this morning?' "'About that time.' "'At what hour was Mr. Mainwaring last seen by anyone in this house?' asked the coroner. 
as nearly as we have ascertained thus far at about twelve o'clock twelve indeed by whom and where by his private secretary and in the library adjoining very well said the coroner after a pause during which he had made a memorandum of certain details which he considered of special importance the undertaker can now be summoned as i believe he is waiting below and we seem to have ascertained all the facts possible in this direction and mr whitney i will next see the valet whom you say was the one to discover the situation this morning in the slight confusion and delay which ensued mr elliot and mr chittenden took their departure with the usual expressions of condolence and regret followed a few moments later by dr hobart who was accompanied downstairs by young mainwaring meanwhile mr merrick having made a close scrutiny of the lifeless form had been slowly walking back and forth in the tower room and library his hands in the pockets of his short sack coat and his eyes apparently riveted on the floor several times in the library he paused and bending downward seemed to be intently studying the carpet then after two or three turns about the room he sauntered towards the windows and doors examining the fastenings of each in turn and on reaching the door opening into the southern hall suddenly disappeared a very mysterious case commented the coroner when he had finished his interview with the valet thus far nothing can be learned which throws much actual light on the subject one way or another but if anybody can unravel the mystery merrick can merrick repeated mr thornton turning to mr whitney in surprise is mr merrick a detective he is i did not introduce him as such for the reason that in a case of this kind he usually prefers to make his first visit incognito if possible very well you have taken the responsibility in this matter you understand of course mr whitney that we want no amateur work in a case like this mr merrick is no amateur said the attorney quietly he is one of the most trusted and one of the surest men on the force before we go any farther interposed ralph mainwaring i suggest that we ascertain whether or not there has been a robbery we can at least satisfy ourselves on that point acting on your suggestion we will examine the safe said mr whitney though i for one am not inclined to think there has been any robbery without a knowledge of the combination the safe could not be opened unless force were employed and it certainly bears no evidence of having been tampered with proceed with your investigation mr whitney said the quiet voice of the detective who had entered unobserved from the smoking-room unless i am greatly mistaken the person we are after is someone pretty familiar with various combinations in these apartments there was a general expression of surprise and all turned towards mr merrick for an explanation but a glance at his impassive face convinced them that questions would be useless with a few swift turns the secretary unlocked the safe and the ponderous doors swung open showing books and papers in their accustomed places everything appeared in perfect order but as the attorney began a rapid examination of the interior he suddenly uttered a sharp exclamation while as he continued his search his manner betrayed considerable excitement anything wrong mr whitney anything missing queried ralph mainwaring everything is missing the other exclaimed after a moment's pause turning round with a pale face and holding in his hand an empty cash-box there is absolutely nothing left but an old cheque-book a few drafts and some other papers of no value whatever except to hugh mainwaring himself half a score of questions were instantly raised was there a large amount of money in the safe did it contain anything of great value scott standing silently in the background seemed to see again the brilliant gems flashing in the sunlight as he had seen them in his search on the preceding day but he said nothing there was a considerable amount of cash the attorney was saying 
Mr. Mainwaring deposited a large sum there when he last came out from the city, and, he added more slowly, the old family jewels were kept in the safe. "'The Mainwaring jewels!' echoed both the Englishmen. "'Impossible! Incredible!' while Ralph Mainwaring exclaimed, "'Why, they were worth a fortune, several times over in themselves!' "'I am aware of that,' answered the attorney. "'I often remonstrated with Mr. Mainwaring, but to no purpose. For some reason which he never explained, he always kept them there.' "'I would never have believed him capable of such recklessness,' said Mr. Thornton. "'Recklessness!' exclaimed Ralph Mainwaring. "'It was the biggest piece of imbecility I ever heard of. What is your opinion now, Mr. Whitney?' regarding a robbery in connection with this case that there has been a robbery i am forced to admit the attorney replied courteously but firmly but my opinion of the matter is still unchanged i regard the robbery as only incident to the murder i do not yet believe it to have led to the deeper crime do you know mr scott whether any one beside yourself understood the combination of the safe ralph mainwaring inquired i do not sir the secretary replied conscious that all eyes had turned upon him at the inquiry, and that the detective was observing him closely. Meanwhile Ralph Mainwaring loudly lamented the missing jewels, until it was evident to all that their loss, for the time being at least, had completely overshadowed all thought of the tragedy they were investigating. "'They must be recovered at all hazards, and at any price,' he said, addressing the detective. "'There were single gems in that collection, which cost a fortune,' and which have been heirlooms in the family for generations. After further search, which failed to disclose anything of importance, or any clue regarding either the murder or the robbery, arrangements were made for the inquest to be held at three o'clock that afternoon, and the party was about to leave the apartments when Mr. Whitney paused. One moment, gentlemen. There is one more point I would like investigated. I maintain that we have not yet discovered the most essential clue to this case, something to throw light on the possible motive which prompted the murder of hugh mainwaring i now wish to make a final trial mr scott will you once more open mr mainwaring's desk for us and take out the will that was deposited there yesterday ralph mainwaring started the will you surely do not think i think it might be safer in our own possession said the attorney with a peculiar smile and right you are added mr thornton approvingly i wonder you had not thought of that yourself mainwaring Meanwhile, Scott, having opened the desk in compliance with the attorney's request, had looked for the will where he had last seen it on the preceding day, and, failing to find it, was searching through the numerous receptacles containing Mr. Mainwaring's private papers. The silence around him became oppressive, and suddenly looking up, he encountered the glance of both Mr. Whitney and the detective, the former with an expression of triumph in his keen eyes. Perplexed and bewildered, Scott exclaimed in a mechanical tone, "'The will is gone!' it is nowhere to be found. I thought as much, said the attorney quietly. End of chapter 5